DJ, PK, and Dennis Dodd joining us now, National College Football Writer for CBSSports.com. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Dennis, good morning. David, Patrick, how are you guys? <laughs> We're doing all right. Uh, we booked you to talk football, and then all of a sudden, the their stories about the Power Five might run and run their own fall championships, and that's superseded by the Washington Post with audio of a phone call with the SEC on player safety, and the players are worried, and that's all trumped by Pac-12 players who reportedly uh, want coaches and administrators to take pay cuts and want more money and want health coverage, and holy cow, my head is spinning. What do you make of this weekend? <laughs> I don't know. Where do you want to start? <laughs> anywhere anywhere yeah, you really. think you got a little info, because as a national guy, you can get people on the phone that a lot of people can't get on the phone. Yeah, I, I spoke to one of the um, Pac-12 players last night and just asked him to explain things and, and how this started. And I also talked earlier in the day to Lamogi Huma, who's the activist um, out of Southern California, who, who uh, unlike other times, he didn't start this. These players came to him. And, you know, one of the ideas, how do we do this? And it manifested itself, as you saw yesterday in that Players' Tribune post, um, a press release where, the, where the, I, I called it a manifesto. It was, you know, if indeed there are hundreds of uh, Pac-12 players involved, that would suggest they have the leverage and power to, you know, boycott or not play the season. And the, the guy I talked to last night, Jaden Grant, Defensive backs from Oregon State say they're absolutely united in that. I, I did, and I, I did ask him. I said, you know, it's it's a bit of a big ask for the Pac-12 to give up 50 percent of its revenue and some of this other stuff. And he said, yeah, it's a big ask, but we think, you know, we think it is deserved um, at this point. You know, they're sick of being. I don't know what the term is. I don't know what term they use exactly, but. Um, you know, the things they're asking for is things they don't have, and that's all. That's all mentioned with the reminder that I don't think players have ever had it better. Uh, but they don't have as much as they should have, I guess, right now. So I don't know that anybody could really be disagreeing as far as the concerns of safety. That seems that that's paramount. Yeah. Signing waivers and all, that kind of makes you a little bit nervous. So their thoughts on that are legitimate, and I think they would have complete and total public support there. The other stuff, how much do you think public support would be behind that? Uh, again, I don't know if, you know, asking for 50% of the revenue and for, uh, I think Larry Scott in his office to take, I think the quote was substantial pay cuts. I don't know if that's doable. You know, you are, you're paid what you're worth. You're paid what somebody will pay you. You That's what you're worth. That's getting a little bit private. If Larry Scott overpaid, I think we could do a whole show on that. Probably yes, but I don't think that's the point here. Now the point and they pointed it out, is it took a combination of really Black Lives Matter, George Young, and the pandemic to get to this place. And I think I saw in an athletic story last night that they now say they have, <clears throat> excuse me, 400 players involved in this. So we'll see how, how strong it is. Um, they don't go to camp, the, the Pac-12, I don't think, until August 17th at the earliest. So they've got some time here to meet with the Pac-12, if indeed that happens. So does this tamp down the whole Power Five is going to separate from the NCA? Because, man, I was reading stuff and it seemed like that thought was really gathering momentum. Of course, all from 
you know, unnamed ADs who don't, I get why they don't want to put right. their name and their university name out there, but it did seem like the quotes were much more determined, and now this might make them think, boy, it does help to have a bad guy to say, well, we just can't do that, NCAA rules. Because if it's just the Power Five out there, good luck. Well, it's the story, the original story in Sports Illustrated was significant because even though the quotes were not attributed to anyone, they were saying them out loud, you mm-hmm. know, a power five commissioner. And I, I followed up and, you know, we all got our ass beat on that story, but I, I confirmed the reporting and there's absolutely that feeling out there that uh, the, the power five could break away and absolutely could stage fall championships. I think that's the first thing to think about if the board of governors votes tomorrow to do away with them. I talked to one, one official yesterday who said, yeah, we would go to a campus get eight volleyball teams and stage a national championship. It doesn't cost that much. You know, we can do that. The players will want to play. Um, but there's so much at work here, guys. You know, you, you've got the fact that, um, you know, the, the Power Five is trying to restrict the players in NIL, um, and yet, you know, would have the money to stage these championships. Uh, the other thing, as I said, reporting back to the the animosity between the Power Five and the NCAA has been growing for some time to the point that now they're really frustrated at the lack of leadership, the lack of direction. Um, really all we've gotten out of the NCAA and this whole thing are some kind of wacky statements from Mark Emmert who, you know, who will just come out of nowhere and say, oh, I don't know if the season's going to start on time. Well, by the way, Mark, it's not... <laughs> You're not going to have a damn thing to do with it. You know, it's going to be these schools who decide <laughs> when they're going to go. And then, uh, you know, the, the drug testing, while noble, it's just recommendations. And a lot of people criticize that it's only once a week. I think you're seeing in other sports, uh, you know, baseball's testing every other day. Look at the pickle they're in. And there's going to be an outbreak probably by the middle of this month when students start coming back to campus with just students interacting with each other. So that's not going to be a good optic on football. Do you see if they have some type of uh, separation that there have been a lot of calls for a some form of uniformity with a commissioner of the sport of college football? Is that no. something that you see as any form of possibility? <laughs> no. These guys can't even agree on how many conference games they're going to play. How, how do you expect right. them to follow one single leader? I mean, I, I think the message is what the message was. It's not so much that, you know, the Power Five is going to separate right now. It, it, it's been a gradual process anyway since the autonomy vote in 2015. But just the mere fact that they can, that they're rattling these sabers saying, you know, you better not do this or else. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it'll happen. I think they'll get their way. I think the Board of Governors will either not take a vote on this or vote to stage the fall championships or just separate things. And, and cancel Division Two and Division Three, and hey, the rest of you guys can can power ahead any way you want. You know that includes the FCS football playoffs. Um, obviously, they don't control the FBS. That's a contract between the, the teams, ESPN, and the college football playoffs. So that'll go on if they can. But I, I just think the message is no. There's not. People keep asking that. I, I got great candidates, but they're never going to be approved. I mean, look what the Big Ten did last month, completely off the reservation, went and, oh, we're going to do conference games only. I can't tell you how how mad some of these commissioners were at that. Um, so you're not, you know, in TV negotiations. Are you going to tell the Big Ten it can't earn $50 million a year and everybody has to be uniform? Absolutely not. So that's not going to happen. 
Dennis Dodd joining us, national college football writer for CBSSports.com. You know, it seems a long way away, but it is a lot of money to a lot of schools. If the Power Five is indeed pulling away, does that create two postseason college basketball tournaments? Neither which of one could command the attention that the first one did, but football's so big and basketball is so secondary, it doesn't matter. Because it seems like the group of five and everybody else, that wouldn't have the power brokers you need, and the power five wouldn't have the just the charm and the size and the... The, the magic that the current tournament has seems like it would just wreck it. I think I think this thing could take many shapes. It's already taken many shapes. You've seen from the budgetary shortfall since the tournament was canceled, the further separation of the group of five and the power five in, in, in perception only. I mean, look at Akron's teetering on the brink of being a university. They may not be here next month as a university. You can imagine what's going through their minds. That being said, no, people think of this as them. Well, this, how are they? Sixty-five teams. Are they going to play each other every Saturday? No, they'll still play those teams. They need those teams to fill out their schedules, and those those group of five need need the money from the guarantee games, at least in football. What they would could they set up their own basketball tournament? Absolutely, um, for the reason I just mentioned. They have enough teams, and they get top dollar for it. In fact, one of the things the Power Five wants, and I don't know if they'll ever get it in the near term is that you know, the NCAA controls that championship. That's their biggest moneymaker. And I, I know the biggest schools are frustrated. They play for, uh, uh, what do they call it? They play for shares. They play for units. And it's, not, it, it, it's an average of what your conference has earned the last five years. And every time you win, you get $250,000 uh, split you know, among your conference peers. They don't want that. They want what they have in football, where 81%, I think, of the college football playoff money goes to the Power Five, and that fuels those programs because those names, those traditional names, what they bring to the table uh, mean more, and they brought more to the sport than anybody else. It sounds kind of crass, but that's the way it is. So we got a lot of BYU fans who be interested in your answer to this, and I know it's uh, probably opinion mixed with some thought as far as what the Big 12 is going to do with their conference football scheduling? Uh, that is supposed to be decided tonight, actually. The presidents, I think, are voting tonight. Really, a, a lot's on the table. I, I talked to Bob Bowlesby Saturday, maybe yesterday, I can't remember, the commissioner. Definitely 12 games still on the schedule, a full season. Um also, nine games plus one non-conference game is on the table. The ADs were kind of split when they talked about it Friday. So they're giving those two options to the presidents um, tonight. Uh, the problem with, with really playing 12 or 9 plus 1 is there are no Power 5 options for the Big 12 uh, in a 9 plus 1. They just don't have them. You look at the remaining games on their schedule, and they're, they're pretty light. A lot of Missouri Valley out of Conference USA. So if they go to 9 plus 1, or I'm sorry, to a full 12-game season, and they're going to they're gonna have to go get, get games somewhere. I know that there's a lot of MAC teams that we need games. We know that from the Big Ten thing. Uh, BYU needs games. So that would help. That may help BYU. Um, the other part of that is when the Big 12 would start. And they've already got two games scheduled on August 29th. They've got uh, Kansas plays Southern Illinois, and I think Oklahoma plays... Missouri State. 
So they, they, that's going to be their philosophy. I don't think they care that, what is it, the Pac-12, I think it's starting September 26th. They're going to be games all over the map if we play all over that month. Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com, joining us. Uh, we haven't heard from a lot of the group of five leagues. I guess maybe the Sun Belt actually is going to try and play 12. We'll see if yep. they can find that many games. What is the Mountain West going to do, especially with the New Mexico governor suggesting New Mexico doesn't play? Hawaii's got a 14-day quarantine. That seems to wreck both Hawaii home games and road games. What do you think this is going to look like? Yeah, that wrecked my vacation plans, too, by the way. Um, I bet. <laughs> uh, early on, Craig Thompson, the commissioner of the Mountain West, said, I, I remember writing the story, yeah, we will soldier on with whoever can play if it comes to that. You know, if, and now it's turned out that got more clarity with the New Mexico situation in Hawaii. If they can only go with 10 teams, then they will go with 10 teams and figure it out. So, and I, I think by the time that this is all over because the group of five are all going to take their cues now from what happens with the power five. You probably end up with conference games only. I don't know that for sure. Um, but there, you know, there's something to be said for sort of keeping it, keeping the games within a quote unquote bubble. Now that's not possible in college, because especially out West. There are no bus, there are very few bus games, you know, Colorado state, Wyoming is a bus game. Um, uh, the Big Ten goes from Nebraska to the Atlantic Ocean, but you're, if you're in, a, in conference only, you're operating them under the same testing procedures, um, same protocols every week. I think the Power Five have already agreed that they will share test results no later than 24 hours before game time, which to me is ethically sound. And I think the other conferences will go to that, but. I think the other leagues will probably be forced into doing conference games only just because there's so few opponents out there. What you make of that story that we saw? That's right now. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's where we're all at. I understand that and appreciate that perspective. Last week we saw the story of the Pac-12 basically paying the LA Times to write favorable stuff. (laughs) Did that blow you away? (laughs) Yeah, it did. You know what? That might be, of all these stories in the last week, that might be the most incredible and outrageous because just as a member as a journalist the part that hit me was okay it's 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 dumb and stupid enough to try to buy coverage in what world does a hundred thousand dollars affect the bottom line of the la times in any way you know you know what i'm saying oh yeah we need this hundred thousand dollars so we're gonna you know we're gonna assign an intern who's been groomed to do this to cover the Pac-12. By the way, that's what you should be doing anyway. You know, forget about taking money for in exchange for advertising. Um, so that that was the most outrageous thing. Who in, who in command there at the L.A. Times thought that was a good idea? It almost, you know, I, it, of all the missteps the Pac-12's made, I guess I wasn't that surprised because they're do, so desperate for positive coverage. But it was a black eye for everyone. It was horrible. So, somewhere in this, maybe there could be some actual sports news instead of all this business news. Uh, Is there any, does it look to you like the grip that the top, you know, four or five teams have on the sport can be broken? Or assuming there's a season and a playoff in whatever time frame, should we just start penciling in Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State? Is it really five or six teams for four berths? Yeah, it it, it really is. 
you know, if it's mostly conference games only at the top now, so maybe there'll be some more competition. But the schools you just mentioned have separated themselves so much in their own conferences and college football that, yeah, I, I can't see past those six or whatever it was. Oklahoma's won, I think it's five straight Big 12 titles. Ohio State, I don't think there's enough made of that. They're, they're like the ace Clemson in the ACC. The Big Ten's better than the ACC, but it's hard, to, it's hard for anybody to even get close to Ohio State. By the way, it's going to get a lot harder for people to compete. You know, uh, Ryan Day's just taking off. Um, Georgia, besides having $100 million in reserves to get through this thing, is doing great. But, you know, they've already won an SEC. They've already been to a national championship game. Um, and now, you know, their quarterback situation looks really, really good. And Kirby Smart's a heck of a coach. So, I, no, I, I think those names you mentioned, you can probably pencil them in for the playoffs if we get that far. It's going to be more the same, really, for years. I mean, they, they've mastered whatever it is. They've got the secret sauce. They've got them head and shoulders above everybody else. Nick, how about Nick Saban in recruiting? Second in the country of four, four or five stars at age 69. I mean, I, I dived into that the other day. And he's got, I want to say they've got four players in the top 15 and a bunch, nine in the top 50 at their position. Or It's unbelievable what he does with no quarterback. They'll set at quarterback right away. And still have to find a quarterback. Is Oregon even close to getting into that? I mean, we hear Oregon pulling away from the Pac-12. We read a lot yeah. of good stuff about the recruiting, but that's a whole other level to get to. Yeah. No, no I, I, I don't know about separating themselves uh, in the sense that Ohio State is separated in the, in the Big Ten. But I, I do say this. I think uh, Oregon is the flagship program of the league right now. Uh, because Mario Cristobal in a very short period of time. You, you mentioned recruiting. Um, and instilled a philosophy there where if you really watch them, they play more like an SEC team than anybody else. Um, obviously, they had a really good quarterback, but he made sure they got good in, uh, in both lines really quick, that they were going to beat people up there and let the chips fall where they may. This, this uh, Thibodeau kid from Southern California is unbelievable. He'll be a sophomore. And I think Oregon in the top ten or top five. So Mario Cristobal, who came, you know, who who was a coach at FIU, offensive line coach at Alabama, national championship, but but a Cuban American whose roots go to southern, to South Florida, he's absolutely fallen in love with the Northwest, and I think that's the biggest thing here. But he's not going to use this as a stepping stone job. I think he wants to retire at Oregon. He loves it so much. Um, and that would suggest they're going to be good for a long time. Well, Dennis, we appreciate a few minutes with uh, multiple crazy stories breaking around the country. Thanks for coming <laughs> on and, and trying to make sense of it, even though, you know, who knows what's coming next. So, well, you know, we don't know what's coming next. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Dennis Dodd, you can read him at CBSSports.com, National College football writer, but that means, you know, covering a lot of the business side of 
whatever's going on with the Power Five and conference scheduling and all that, in addition to the actual games. Thanks to Dennis for coming on. DJ and PK, we got Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up at 9 o'clock. Our thoughts on this coming up next. Uh, also, PK, the Pac-12 schedule came out. We haven't talked about that since our last show. Uh, that came out as well. There's plenty to get to, and we'll do it next. DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Jazz now 1-1 in the bubble. They got routed by Oklahoma City on Saturday. Jazz are back at it tonight. They play the Lakers 7 o'clock on ESPN. The Zone Sports Network's coverage begins at 6 o'clock with the pregame show. Elsewhere in the NBA, the Celtics blew a big lead but then held on to beat the Blazers 128-124. to The Rockets down by 8 in the final three minutes rally and beat the Milwaukee Bucks, the best in the East, 120-116. to Russell Westbrook had 31 points in that game. The Spurs keeping their postseason hopes alive by edging the Memphis Grizzlies 108-106. And the Suns shocked the Mavericks 117-115. That's your back-to-basketball update, and it is presented by Zions Bank. It's on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. It's an open mic. Wish Hans a happy birthday day today. Hans, this is your mom and dad. Happy birthday to our baby Buffalo. Tatanka. Buffalo. Tatanka. Buffalo. Buff. Buffalo. 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 All we ever wanted for your first birthday was a shock collar and a restrictive fence. We didn't know what we had given birth to. Ma, you've been bad. I don't have a lot of requests on this. <laughs> I really don't. Can we not cut up my mom's best wishes that turned out to not be the best of best wishes? Oh, happy birthday, my friend. Hard to top this one. Oh, yeah, it was great, man. Wow. Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Fourth annual Ron McBride Love You Man silent auction is going on right now. The auction includes autographed helmets and footballs from Utah, BYU, and the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Plus power tools, trips, services of all kinds. Place your bid today at the Ron McBride Foundation.org. The site again is the Ron McBride Foundation.org. All right, PK, we just had Dennis Dodd on to talk about Ron McBride's favorite sport, college football. And there's so many things happening all at once. You find anything he said more interesting, more of a takeaway, something you've been pondering since he said it? No. Nope. It was all what you expected. (laughs) Well, there's so much stuff going on as to why we're not fans, but yet it's out there. And it needs to be discussed. It needs to be taken in consideration. And I think college football is viewed as, it's by sports fans who are into it, I think it's viewed as a sanctuary, man. It is their place to go to have fun, particularly in our community. And if you got the NFL in your community, that's a whole other story. But we don't. And some of the places in the conference don't. Some of them do. And you go into those communities, having been in those communities over and over again in the Pac-12, 
it really is something that is just special and it separates from the daily life and it begins for many folks at seven eight o'clock in the morning as they go up to let's just take the u of u for example they go up to secure their spot where they've been going with the same people for years you know what i mean it is it is beyond the actual game it is it's about relationships it's time spent together and it that's just as much a part of it as Pretty much the actual game, and then you migrate, and we can see it because we get there and we sit in the press box, and the press boxes are always high up no matter where you are. You go in the southeast, and and they have a little bit uh, different. They're not usually at the top. They're in the middle, a lot of them, and they're open air, but ours are at the top. And you see people migrating towards, particularly at the U of U, because of the hill situation, the elevation, and they come into the stadium. We've all seen that. And to have all this stuff going on, I really think it puts a dent in people's morale because college football, I believe, is a sanctuary in many places, including in our community. Well, you know, Lavelle Edwards, when he retired, asked what he's proud of most. He didn't go to a game, didn't go to the Heisman Trophy or the undefeated season. He went to, you know, BYU football's an event. And the event encompasses everything you talk about. Yes, it's about the game, but it is about the relationships, the time spent together, you know, connecting, giving you a a time and a reason to connect with people that you might not get to connect with in that kind of fun way. So, you know, the sanctuary is probably uh, over the top for some people's college football experience, but for a lot of people, it's really not, you know, for... For a lot of the people, it's a tradition, and they really look forward to it. And it'll look right. different this year, you know, if it happens. And the business side of it, they don't really want to deal with. But if the business side gets jacked up, does it change the game day experience? You know, I don't really care about it, but you need the business side of it to work or, you know, everything gets impacted. You just need it to kind of work. It's, it's like Disney has to work behind the scenes, but I don't really want to know how, you know, Splash Mountain works behind the scenes. I just, I just need it to work. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think that these players with this movement that they got going on, I don't, I don't know how much public support there really is for it because I, I just don't think other people want to hear people complain about their jobs in a sense. On the same token, it's like give these kids the cash. We're sick of hearing about it anyway. And I think you got a lot of with the protests too. It's like we're being bombarded with all this stuff. And oh, this is another thing here that we got going on. And sure, give them what you want. And then they'll just move on to start complaining about something else. <laughs> so where does it end? And we're, we're seeing it with the... Uh, with the backlash, if you, I don't even know if you can call it backlash. Backlash to me seems so strong. With the protests against the protests, if that makes sense. Counter-protests. Yeah, we're seeing it with, with the NBA stuff. You know, we, get, we get tweets, we get reaction. Uh, to, I'm not disregarding what the folks are doing particularly in, in the pro level, nor am I disregarding everything that these college players put out on these players' tribune. My thing, if someone has a complaint and it's presented in a reasonable manner, then I owe it to them to try to understand it as best as I can. If you're going to come at me screaming and yelling or going to be over the top and you're just going to be name-calling and 
uh, you're going to say, oh, the president doesn't have a brain or this person is a stupid idiot, blah, blah, blah. I'm probably going to check out. But if you present it, if you present issues in the way, say, Tony Dungy presents issues, seems to be so level-headed that I owe it to myself and to those people who are presenting those issues to try to see where they're coming from. And I thought this Players' Tribune thing it was presented, whether I agree with it or not, that's not the point. It was presented in a discussable manner. So we should be discussing all these things. And some of them are over the top, but it doesn't mean that you can't at least look into it and try to figure out where people are coming from. Well, I think that um, in the moment, I don't expect the players to quote-unquote win. I don't expect the Pac-12 to give in. They're going to have less money, so that's going to make it hard for them to give more to somebody else. As much as there's some logic to the cutting of salaries – from assistant coaches to head coaches to ADs to conference commissioners, you know, that the fact is people have contracts, so it's not going to happen overnight. I think the way this evolves is in the long run, the players get some of what they want financially. You know, we've seen the stipend come in, right? And yeah. so it's, it's trending that way. But I don't know that it happens because the players, you know, set their feet in the ground and demand. I think it happens because what Dennis Dodd came on and told us was, hey, the Power 5 NCA split, we've been trending towards it for a while. There's a tremendous amount of frustration behind the scenes. People are now willing to voice the frustration. Not, hey, I've heard somebody else might, like, hey, we're looking into it. Now, they're not putting their name or their school's name on it. That'll be the next step. But it's trending that way. And I think when we get to that point, when that happens, then the individual leagues who don't get along, who don't play nice together, one league realizes, I'm looking at you, SEC, maybe the Big Ten, probably the SEC, realizes we've got the money. We're already paying the most for the coaches. I don't have to give my coaches a big raise because I'm not going to lose them anywhere. The way to get even more of an advantage for us, the way to get two of the four playoff berths or three of the eight when it goes to that, is, hey, let's give the players more money. And the Pac-12 and the ACC can't afford that. So let's do it, and let's tip the playing field even more. So I think the players get more money over time. I'd be surprised if these players get more money this season. Okay, yeah, fine. Well, I think they will with or without this stuff. I think that's the direction we're going anyway. Right. So that was going to happen either way, whether this thing was presented in a website or it wasn't. I don't really think that mattered. I think that they're going to get more, continue to get more. That's the push that's been going on. I don't think the public has much problem with that, as long as it's somewhat regulated in a manner that's fair. But what is fair? Yeah, uh, that's my only. Anytime I heard the word fair, you know what is fair? Fair to you is different than fair to me, and I don't know how much fairness has been out there anyway. And I don't really know that it's going to change anything. Those who dump the most money and were winning matters the most. They're the ones who are going to, to win. win the most. Right? <laughs> yes, it's, you can draw the line. It's a direct line. Oh, yeah. it's, it's nothing to really it's, uh, understand. It's so obvious. It's true in college football. It's uh, true in Major League Baseball. Uh, pick your sport. You know, maybe not the NFL because they have a hard cap. 
but it just, um, well, anybody who follows European soccer, it's true there. It's just true. You spend the most money on it, and you're more likely to win. You can spend the money poorly and screw it up. You know, that possibility is still out there. But if you're smart and you're spending more money, you're going to win way more than you lose. And I don't think anybody has a problem with it. See, when you look at Kyle Whittingham and what he's being paid and what he's producing, I think most folks say, okay, but then you draw the line over to basketball, and then they say, well, wait a second here. Right. I've got a problem yeah. with that. That's, yeah. that's the issue. How much money? You, if you're getting the result, yeah, fine. So good, good on you, Kyle. You make but all if, that cash. But if good, you're paying, good on you. Way to go. If you're paying 12 co- coaches across the conference or 14 or 10 in other leagues, whatever it is, they can't all be winning. They, they can't all, you know, only a third of the coaches can be in the top third and feel good about the money they're getting. And the others, and, you know, when, when you have to buy somebody out and drop uh, eight, 10, 12 million dollars, that really raises eyebrows. Unless yeah. the new guy comes in and wins. Okay, but if you're Colorado and you've gone through, I don't even know how many football coaches, at least three, maybe four. Well, they didn't, they didn't have to buy out Tucker. He left. That was a separate problem. Um, but, you know, as you go through multiple coaches, you know, people start to roll their eyes. Well, they pay $10 million to buy out McIntyre. Right. And there's just the perception problem. You know, when, when we had Chris Hill on, he's like, you know, you can make a lot of arguments, but it just doesn't look good if a player's getting a, a $50,000 scholarship and a coach over here is getting ten million in a buyout because he failed. You know, it just—it's just that just doesn't pass the eyeball test and the sniff test. That gets a lot of people rolling their eyes, saying, "Well, what are we doing here?" Yeah, but then there's a lot of folks who said, "Good, get rid of him. He wasn't winning the way I want to win." Well, that's true. So <laughs> there's never yeah. a problem with it if, when you're not winning because you don't want to win. There's plenty of people going to line up and say next. Right. So I, I think all these players putting this stuff out there, I actually appreciate it. You know, some of it may it, it doesn't matter whether it's over the top. I get that. Some some of the stuff you're going to put out there in terms of uh, what you're looking for is over the top. But are you really looking for that? Are you really looking for 50 percent of the revenue or are you looking for a f- 10 to 5 percent? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you put that it's out a, there. It's a negotiation. So yeah. start with something outrageous and, and so come down from it. I get that. It's like, and I'm still getting, I got a couple of tweets I looked on uh, during the break of people uh, complaining about uh, professional sports, particularly in this, the NBA, with, with this kneeling stuff, you know. And I would encourage people, we really didn't discuss it because it was actually not only at the end of our show, it was over our show on Friday, and we played it this morning, of Joe Ingles trying to uh, explain why he did what he did. And I thought it was just a phenomenal explanation because I could relate to that. I told you in my situation where I have a, a, a few uh, African-American friends that I've had for 25, 35 years, and when they tell me that such and such happened to them when they've been followed, blah, 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 and those types of things, and they tell me that, Man, I really, really can understand what they're telling me because they've been my great friends for so many years, and they don't lie to me. And so when they say that stuff, that really puts it home on a personal level. And by the way, my wife was listening when you, at some point last week, uh, basically summarized what I was saying. Yeah. And she told me, and I mean, I wanted to tell you this. I'll say it publicly. She said, your 
understanding of what I was saying and your summarization was so on point that she was moved by what you were saying I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, you're an excellent listener. You always have been. And you put that out there in a manner that folks can understand what I was trying to say, probably even better than the way I was saying it. And she was in the car driving somewhere, and she told me she was so moved by what you were saying. And that's the way I was moved by what Joe Ingalls was saying as to why he was doing what he was doing, because those were his friends that were telling him those things. And that's what I'm talking about, how you can have some real discussion on on all these topics, whatever they may be, rather than just saying, oh, this player, these guys are doing this. I'm done with them. Screw them. Wait a second here. Well, that's yeah. That's that's because, and and a lot of people do say that. And and if we're really honest, at a certain time, maybe more of us feel it than say it, right? Because you get to where there is your sanctuary, and you were talking about how it's a sanctuary for college football fans, and I was talking about who a friend of mine who's been through just horrendous stuff in his life is. His daughter died of cancer. It was just awful and all that. And for him, it's golf. You know, that's the standing on a tee box is the only time I think he feels like the old him. You know, it's, it's the only time. And watching the PGA Tour, talking to his college roommates. This guy's in his 60s now, right? Mm-hmm. And he talks to his college roommates, and they have a, like a fantasy golf thing he does. And they, they basically draft a couple players for a weekend and see who yeah, plays yeah, the yeah. best, right? Right, right? And he really gets into that. And he let, that's his sanctuary. And so no matter how much you try to be, okay, woke to use the term of the day, right? No matter how much you try to understand, there's a time where you just want to go to your happy place. Right, You just want to watch a college football game and tailgate. You just want to watch a golf tournament or a jazz game, whatever it is. So there's a time you listen, a time you won't. But what connected with you that day, you said, your friend Jason Reed, who people have seen on ESPN, and you worked together at the Daily Breeze back in the day. And you said, I can't really walk a mile in his shoes. Well, you can't walk every mile because you're a white guy and he's a black guy. But you do have these career goals and you work side by side, elbow to elbow, chasing the same dream. And if somebody like that, you said you had six or seven people in your life who are a different race than you, but you have that kind of connection with them, right? If one of them tells you something, you have walked some of the miles they've walked. Not all of them, but some of them. You know, and so it just goes back to what you say all the time, PK, about you need a one to one relationship because when it's a group of people you don't know talking through the TV or radio or or the interwebs to you, it doesn't resonate the same way it does when it's somebody who you literally sat next to one Friday night after another trying to put out a paper with a bunch of high school scores, which is just totally like hurting cats. It's such hard work. It's not glamorous, you know. And so that resonates with you in a way that a hundred people, well, not a hundred, probably 70 people, it seems like, on the sideline in an NBA game, you don't know them. You don't have a relationship with them. But Joe does because he told us how. And you got to go listen to this online. I, I mean, it was... I always love talking to Joe, and he said a million funny things, and he said a bunch of interesting things, but this was so spot on about how he knows guys for a long period of time, and then they tell him, and the funniest thing, PK, is that I told him at the end of that, you know, we really need to hear 
those stories from those guys. They've moved him so much. They'd move off us if we heard him, but we can't know him if we don't hear him. And we need more guys to do it. And he's like, yeah, but it's so gut-wrenching. It's so personal to put out there. And then Patty Mills does it over the weekend in the New York Times. Joe's a good friend from Australia. And he laid out the kind of the comparisons of what happened to him in Australia, what he hears in the U.S., you know, what he went through as a five-year-old. He really did it. You know, he pulled the curtain back on his whole life. And obviously that was in the works. But I, I did think, man, Joe, you're... You're magic, Joe. How'd you do that? You had that in the New York Times in 36 hours. Obviously, it was a little bit of a coincidence. You know, Patty had decided to open up. That didn't just happen. So. Yes. But it's all well good said. stuff. And if you haven't heard the Joe Engel stuff, we replayed it this morning. Go to 1280thezone.com. Front page right there for you. The last 10 minutes is the best stuff. I mean, the whole thing's good because Joe's a talker. You know, but the last 10 minutes is the best stuff. All right, DJ and PK, we got to go to break. Steve Cleveland's coming up in 15 minutes. Stay with us. It's been a long four months. Welcome back. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Warren, three ball off the bounce, left edge. That is the seventh three-point basket for Warren, who now has a career-high 44 points. Holiday on the drive, left-hand bounce out to Warren. Can he do it again? Yes, he can. A three from dead on, several steps outside the arc. This man is having the game of his life. T.J. Warren, a career-high 53 points as Indiana beats Philadelphia. Yeah, that is a Chevy strong play of the game. Know it today at 450, and you can win fabulous prizes. This would be better if y'all could get the thing to fire right now. As the great philosopher Snoop Dogg once said, This guy sucks. Like a sucker bunch. It's time to reward the losers in sports with another edition of This Guy Sucks. You suck. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big Are you having a good time, Yuck? How's no. that working out for you? Honestly, no. <laughs> PK, we got games. You know, we were talking about when there were no games happening that, man, when they start going again, and we were really talking about how September and October could be completely packed. Now, we're already seeing college football. You know, a lot of September games are, look like they're not happening. But uh, this past weekend, there was a lot of sports all at once. You may not be into it all, but there was still a lot going on with the golf, the basketball, the baseball, the hockey, the soccer. That was, you know, if you're, if you're Fox, mostly Fox and ESPN, although CBS and NBC do it agree too with the, the cable networks, the others, uh, I think, have more games. 
it was just nonstop. For me, it was just a question of, I was trying to find a game last night, and I realized, oh, it's not on ESPN or ESPN2. It's on ABC. You know, but there were just oh, games. Oh, basketball. Yeah, it was basketball. And yeah, there were, yeah, I just, me too. I defaulted there, <laughs> right, and then exactly. I check in NBA yeah. TV, and I'm thinking, the Bucks and the Rockets are not on NBA TV. That's way too big a matchup. What am I doing? You know, that was flicking around. But it just hit me that every channel I went to had games. Nobody had documentaries. Nobody had a studio show or a highlight show. It was games, 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 games. So you suck then for not being able not to Not find... being able to figure out where a game was, right? <laughs> and I mean, I'm doing it old school, flipping around. If I just hit the button, I can ask where the game is, and the TV will tell me. You know, and I... But you're a man. You don't want to do that. Well, I do like flipping around. And, and also, I just, I mean, I do it. Sometimes I do it, and sometimes I just, for whatever reason, I forget. And my kids are so frustrated with me. Like, Dad, just ask the TV already. <laughs> okay, fine. So who sucked this weekend? Uh, he was brilliant, and then he sucked. Uh, all within a matter of seconds. It's the nature of golf. Kep's, Brooks Kepka uh, trying to win. He didn't. Uh, but he birdies 17 on Sunday, the 71st hole, and then he's in the water on 18. Ah! It's a lot of pressure on those dudes, man, to, to, to do it. I almost think that you're better off being a little behind as opposed to being in the lead and having to, to keep the lead the whole time. It just seems like it's, uh, man, it's so much pressure. I, cu- I couldn't imagine it. And a lot of these guys are, are immune to this pressure. I want to go, I don't know if you follow PGA Tour on uh, Twitter. But they have a funny thing here uh, because this week is the PGA, so it's a major, right, coming up. Yep, out in uh, San Francisco, right? Yeah, it's the first major of the year, right? Garrett and correct. Uh, so go click on up, uh, go at, at PGA Tour on Twitter, and they've got a picture of uh, – it's a workout. <laughs> it's pretty it's funny. Bubba. It's Bubba. It, it's Bubba Watson shirtless lifting – Curling, which is probably about a two-pound, <laughs> two-pound dumbbell, yeah. and then in the background, he looks over his right shoulder, and there's Kepka shirtless, who's doing uh, some curls, probably about a thirty-pounder, and it is hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you listen to the audio, you have to turn up in the break, DJ. But all of a sudden, Kepka looks over, he's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> That is funny. Yes. I did not follow them, but I just followed them right now. And the thing I find with official is that I've followed a bunch of official stuff and then unfollowed it because depending on who's running the account and the attitude of, you know, Team League 2 or whatever, uh, some of them aren't that fun and don't really break that much news. You know, there's really, there's really no point. And he's like, okay, unfollow them. Uh, but if they're going to do stuff like this, this, cra- <laughs> this cracks me up. Yeah. That is pretty funny. Bubba should never take his shirt off again. <laughs> well, it was a good sport to make fun. He was. Yeah, absolutely. He was. It's uh, it's funny. You're right. All right. Uh, you got anybody who really sucked this week? Not that Bubba. Kepka really sucked. I mean, if he really sucked, the, you know, the 72nd hole wouldn't have mattered. Uh, Fowler gagged. Uh, was, a, was over par on Sunday. The Bucks. Ja- the the Milwaukee- Jazz sucked on Saturday as a team. That's a great thing about it. I can't point to any individual. I go one through whatever. Nine. Yeah. Yeah, I play nine guys. All right, DJ and PK, Steve Cleveland's coming up next. We'll talk with him about the jazz struggles. Stay with us.